God's good. He knows exactly where we are. And he knows exactly what we're doing. If you haven't been here, all you have to do is, is let Sandy know or let them know in the bookstore on the last couple of weeks. They'll get you the two. This is the third part of a four-part series. And so if you've missed the first two, you can catch them online at victorylafayette.org under our media page, or you can get the CDs even today if you want to. Just ask them in the back, and uh, they'll get you whatever you need to catch you up because we don't want you to be behind as we talk today. Last week, we talked about giving God's way and how important it was in our lives to bring the tithe into the storehouse. That it's important enough for God to speak and share, you know, in Malachi chapter 3 with, with the people and said, you are robbing me, he said. Now, we don't believe that we're robbing God. I don't think we see that that's the case. And neither did they because they asked, they said, well, how, how in the world are we robbing you? And he said, because you're not bringing the tithe and the offering into the storehouse. That as you hold back the tithe in your life, that 10% that God has asked us to set aside, as we hold that back in our life, we're robbing God. And we can't steal from God. What we steal from God, we can't use for ourselves. It's no good. It's bad goods. And Achan in, in, in Joshua, he was, he was coming out of the battle of Jericho, and, and he saw this wedge of gold and this silver and, and, and this garment. And God had said that he was going to bless the children of Israel, that they were going to have abundance, and they were going to be prosperous and all of these things. And there were other battles where he told them they could take the spoils, and there were some battles they said they didn't, that God was going to bless them, and their prosperity and abundance in their life would follow their obedience. And that in this instance, he wasn't obedient and he took that. And what that really was, was stealing from God. All of that was God's as the city came down. And he said, you can't take of that. I don't want you to have that. Yet he saw this thing and he saw it and thought, I need it. I want it. That, that garment's going to look good on me. I'm going to be all clothed up. I'm going to have some money and I'm going to have a big old piece of gold to get by. And he took those things. And ultimately it cost him his life and his family's life through his disobedience. God blesses his obedience. And in his word last week, we shared about that and said, you know what? He even says in Malachi, try me now in this. Why don't you just give it a shot? Give it a try. God doesn't say that in the word. He doesn't say that in another place. He says it right there. Bring it. And so at the end of the message on Sunday, we just opened up our hearts. We just prayed and said, okay, God, what do you have for us? I asked a few questions. If you aren't tithing, then what in your life, what obstacle, what thought, what situation is keeping you from doing that? Are you open? We said when we left last week, are you open to God stretching you in your mentality, stretching you maybe in the things that you're speaking, stretching maybe your actions in the giving of the tithe? Are you open to God doing something different in your life, bringing a new thought and a new idea to you? Because you have to be open to receive it. You can hear it, you can hear it. Have you ever done that? Maybe if you're married, you do this. It happens to me all the time. There are a lot of times Elizabeth tells me something, tells me something, tells me something. And then she hears me preach it on Sunday. And she's like, I've been telling you that for six months. You know, but it took, it took whatever it did to, to all of a sudden for me to hear it. Sometimes you hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, hear the word. Then one day your eyes are opened. One day your ears are popped open. One day you take it. You don't just hear it, you take it. And you say, that, that's the truth. That's for me. Maybe your wife is hitting you saying, see, I told you so. What, that's, that's not for today. Today we're going to talk about what do we do then in hard times. Like Daniel had said to us on, on, that, on that afternoon, on Wednesday afternoon at home as he was eating dinner. It is hard times. Keep giving. Keep giving the way God tells you to give. Keep putting it out there. Keep trusting God. Keep having faith in him. Because we all face obstacles and we all face hard times. 
There are difficult times in this earth. There are difficult times that you go through. Some of them are just relationally. Some of them are are health-wise. But we're talking about finances last week and this week. And we go through difficult times financially in our life. But that doesn't alleviate our responsibility to give the way that God gives us just because we see that it might not work in the natural. There's a guy that, that, I, that I, I've seen a YouTube video of. His name's David Goggins. And I've talked about him a few times before. And you can, you can uh, check him out on YouTube. It's uh, called The Human Machine. And uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a guy who runs what's called ultra marathons. Not like 26.2 miles isn't far enough. He runs farther. 150 miles in this race that he talks about and shows you uh, on, online on YouTube. 150 miles. So he's running from here to Louisville. That doesn't sound like a good time, but that's what he did. And not on the road through the woods, through the woods, through the creeks. There, there are 10 mile, the, the circuit, the lap that they run in the woods is 10 miles long. And they run that 15 times. <laughs> it's a long way. And he says that throughout this journey, it's so difficult. He's pushing his body to the limit. That's what we talked about two weeks ago in stretching. Stretching is actually taking yourself to where you think you might blow up, where you think that rubber band might stretch and break. It takes you to the point where you're uncomfortable. Well, that's what this kind of race does. And he says, periodically through this race, I come into this thing and I think, you know what? The thought comes, I can't do it anymore. But he said, you know what happens when your body starts aching and your body starts wanting to dive into a ditch and take a nap and your body starts revolting against you? He says, you make up your mind that you are going to go forward. And he says, your body begins to come into line. That the obstacle that you face isn't bigger than your ability in your body. Many times he says that your mind says that it's not possible, but your body can go farther than your mind thinks it can. And then he says, you face situations where you don't know how you're going to get over this log this time, how you're going to get past this creek this time. And he said, when you make up your mind that you're going to do it, your mind resets. That maybe in your life, when it comes to giving in difficult times and difficult seasons, maybe you just need to reset, refocus your mind. Because the truth of the word of God says that he will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 4. But that follows a scripture that says, as you give to the kingdom of God, I will, or he will meet all of your needs according to his riches. I know in Luke 6, 38, it says that if you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But it's if you give, it's the first part. If you quit halfway through, you won't see the victory. If you give up in the midst of difficult times, you'll never see what God has for you on the other side. 1 John chapter 5 says that we're overcomers if Christ lives on the inside of us. Well, if you're an overcomer, that means you must overcome something. Because I think we come to Christ and many times we're like, things are just going to be fantastic. How many of you thought that when you got, you know, you got saved and it was like, man, if it's all like this service tonight, this is going to be awesome. And then you go out the doors and life hits you. Why is that? I thought God wanted me to have abundance. I thought God wanted me to have a great life. I thought God wanted all of his goodness and mercy and and, and prosperity poured into my life. He does, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He doesn't like you. So you will face difficult times. If he called you an overcomer, that must mean that you're going to overcome. Don't let the devil separate you from God's goodness by taking away your obedience. 
See, don't get separated from God's goodness by allowing the devil to switch your obedience off. It's real quick. You don't do what God told you to do, you will not be blessed. Done. Well, things are going all right so far. Well, just wait. The devil might play with you, and he might let you know that uh, he loves you and he enjoys you, but eventually he'll kill you. Eventually he will steal from you. Eventually he will begin to destroy your life, your relationships, and everything that you allow him to be a part of through disobedience. It says, if you look in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and she's going to put this scripture up there, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Don't allow anything to separate you from God's goodness and from his love. It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, should any of those things be able to separate you from God's love? No. We sang a song that says he cares for us and he won't let go of us. Don't let go of him. It goes on in verse 37, then it says, Yet in all these things, in tribulation, in distress, in persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Christ, who loves us. Adversity is prelude to miracles in your life. I can't think of anything in my life that I have received that hasn't come through some kind of, of, of adversity. You go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and people faced persecution, they faced adversity, they faced difficult times, they faced situations where it looked like nothing was going right, yet somehow, through their obedience, God came through. In your life, it's the same way. When the, tough, when the going gets tough, the tough should get going, not the tough should run away and hide. Because the going's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for you. It's going to be tough for me. It's going to, be, going to be work for us to go through it. But Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ooh, I don't know about that. Well, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Be obedient to everything that God asks you to do, say, and believe. As we do that, God's hand moves. It takes you into another realm. It takes you to a place that we all want to live, that the spirit man alive on the inside of you wants to reside there, yet the flesh man is always having to be put down. And as soon as you don't put that flesh part down, it rises right back up. And you'll begin to find yourself saying things and doing things and acting in ways that don't line up with what you think you believe. Jesus told us in John 16, 33, he told us that we would have tribulation. Think about James that we talked about last uh, two weeks ago, James in chapter 1, where it said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tests and perils. Count it all joy. Why? Because those trials, tests, and perils will perfect your faith in your life as you're obedient to the word that God has shown you, basically. Not much different than this scripture that Jesus was speaking and sharing with, with those who were gathered around. He said, yet in all these things, oh, sorry, go back over to, it's, it's in John 16, 13. It says, I have told you these things, Jesus said, that you might have peace, because in the world you'll have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. See, there's, there's always that second. You're going to have tribulation. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be stress. There are going to be difficult things that you're going to have to fight through for my sake. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And then he actually says later, he says that because I am in you, you are an overcomer. Well, what, what, what does that mean? Because he said, I have overcome the world here in John 16, 33. And then he says, and he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And is Jesus alive on the inside of you? 
then no hard time, no difficult situation, no pressure, no stress can keep you from prospering and being abundant in the life that God has called you to. None. Exercise the right that's on the inside of you. And you exercise that right by faith through obedience. Be obedient to God. Now, you may be facing situations today that aren't financial. It works the same way. Trust God. He always has a direction. He always has a way. And he says in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8, the word says that we're supposed to come to him if we're not sure what we're supposed to do. If we lack wisdom, it says, let that man ask of me, and I will give him wisdom. I will pour it out on your life. And then when God begins to give you wisdom, when you begin to feel like he's leading you in this direction, then that becomes your tough time. That becomes your difficult decision. Will I follow after that regardless of the cost and regardless of what it looks like, or will I shy away and shrink back? See, will I stretch in faith and say, okay, God, I'll meet you there? Or will I shrink back and say, I can't do it. I can't see it happening. See, because he says in this scripture as he goes on, it says, as you ask, I'll pour it out into your life. But then he says, once it's poured out into your life, then you have a decision to make and you have to set your mind, you have to set your focus on me. And if you don't, then you're going to waver back and forth. Don't waver between two opinions. Don't go back and forth. What has God spoken to you? By the time we hear God and get it in our hearts and walk out that door, the enemy begins to work to steal that word from your heart. It says so in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. That as the revelation of the word of God becomes truth to you, that when you read it, you begin to hear it, you begin to live it in your life, the devil comes immediately, it says, and tries to steal the word. I think it's wisdom that if you made up your decision and made up your mind last week that, you know what, we're going to be tithers. We're going to bring 10% into the storehouse. I just challenged you and said, do it for 90 days. Why? Because the devil will come immediately to steal the word. He'll come immediately to try to take it. And it's going to take some perseverance on our part. It's going to take some endurance on our part. Endurance doesn't happen today and that's it. Endurance is something that we walk in, and like it says in Hebrews 12, we run the race with endurance. That means that we run that race for a while. So trust God. Put him to the test in your tithe, like it says. But realize and know that you are putting yourself in a position where the enemy is going to come and steal. He can't take from you. You have to stand up and begin to claim the word, begin to speak the word that you're living in your life. And that as you submit yourself to God, James 4, 7, resist the enemy, he has to flee. What the enemy has stolen for you, God will restore. It says so in Joel, in Joel chapter 2. He's a restorer. God cares about you and he loves you. Put his word to practice in your life. Put his word first place in your life. Not just speak it and think it, but live it in your life every day. Hard times, good times, whatever you face, you are constantly living what God said. We all face situations, we all struggle in areas where it doesn't look like we can do it. That's what stretching is all about. It's about getting past that. In your life, maybe it's sharing the word. In your life, maybe it's a health issue or something like that. In your life, maybe it's a relational thing that God's dealing with you and he's asking you to go the extra mile and you don't want to go there. 
See, we have to stretch beyond what we think we can do. We have to stretch beyond where we think we can go. But maybe in your life it's financial. Maybe you're facing some things and you think, I just don't think I can do it. Well, you're right. You can't in your own strength, but you can do all things through God who strengthens you. Philippians chapter 4. Hard times are growing opportunities. Hard times uncover your heart. Everybody can give in the good times. Everybody can love the lovely. But what do you do when they're not lovely? See, everybody treats me nice because I'm the pastor. But what do you, how do you treat me if you don't know I'm the pastor? See, how do you treat the person you run into at the gas station or the waitress that screwed up your meal? See, it's in those difficult times, in those difficult situations. Joyce Meyer tells that story of the girl who was waiting on their table and, and tripped and spilled all the iced tea and the stuff on her or her husband or one or the other and, and spilled it on them and was so upset. Was, oh, I'm so sorry, trying to clean it all up. They're soaked in iced tea or whatever it was. And, and, and they said, oh, it's okay, honey, it's all right. Don't worry about it, not a big deal. And, you know, they helped her get everything cleaned up and dried up. And, and then she went away. And, and when she came back, she said, I'm so sorry. And they said, no, 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 it's okay. She said, I wanted to scream, what are you doing? But that, you know, that wasn't what God would do. It's not what Jesus would do. And then she said, oh, it's okay, honey. And she said, I was just so nervous because I watch you on TV every day. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I, I, I was having to serve you and I, I really look up to you and who you are. <laughs> Luckily, you didn't say the wrong thing. <laughs> Because a whole lifetime of goodness can be taken away that quickly in one act of disobedience. Be careful. Hard times are growing opportunities that uncovers your heart. The little widow who brought the two mites as Jesus was there in the temple that day. It's in Mark in chapter 12 and again in Luke. But as she came into the temple that day, all these people were giving tithes and offerings and they were pouring all their alms out. They were bringing them into the storehouse and pouring them in. And they were bringing big sums and all kinds of different money. And this little lady came by and gave two mites, which was almost nothing. And when it was over, Jesus turned to them and said, that little lady who gave the two mites gave more than anybody else in the whole day. And they said, well, why is that true? There are other people who came and gave these big sums of money. How was that the most that anybody gave? And he said, because those who brought the big sums of cash in that day brought out of their excess and brought out of their overflow. But yet this young lady had nothing, or this old lady had nothing but two mites, and she brought everything that she had and she gave it that day. She faced hard times, she faced difficult times, she faced tough situations. But in that instant, in that moment, she decided that it was better to give than to trust herself. David in 2 Chronicles chapter 21 was, was coming into a place where he had to make a sacrifice. And in that moment, somebody was going to give him the bulls and give him all the stuff he needed to make the sacrifice. And he said, I will not sacrifice to my God. I won't sacrifice anything that didn't cost me something. And so he paid, he paid the man for all of that stuff so that when he came to God with his offering, he knew that he had something on the table. See, he brought it into the storehouse and said, this is what I have, I have paid for it, this is mine, I'm going to sacrifice what is mine. I'm not going to give out of the excess, I'm not going to give out of your pocket, but I'm going to give out of my own pocket. I'm going to give, I'm going to endure, I'm going to press through. In your life, when you face situations... When you face circumstances, when stuff comes against you, will you rise up and say, I don't care what I face. I am going to do what I have in my heart to do. 
I'm going to give what God has shown me and what he has told me by his word and by his spirit. And I'm not seeking the gift like it says, right? We talked about that last week in James chapter 4. Paul said, I'm not seeking the gift. I'm not seeking what you have to give to the kingdom of God. I'm seeking and looking for the abundance and the blessing and the reward to you in your life and your account, is what Paul said. I care about you so much, he said. I care about you so much that I want to see God bless you in your life. And the way for us financially in our life to be blessed is one, to bring the tithe into the storehouse and say, okay, God, I set this aside, it's yours. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what comes against you, and then to give the way that he leads you and that he guides you in those areas and in those moments as he stretches you and takes you beyond that in your life. There's blessing that comes with obedience. The willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. We're all willing. None of us want to blatantly disobey God in any area of our life. In 1 Kings chapter 17, then I'm going to have somebody come and share their testimony here for a minute. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it's Elijah coming to the widow. And he came and he, and, he, and he came before her and he said, bring me a cup of water. And she's going to bring him a cup of water. And he said, as you do that, bring me also, bring me also a morsel of bread. Make me a cake and bring it to me. And she said, in, in my house, I have nothing. I, ha- I have no oil and I have no flour, only a little bit to make one cake. We're going to make it and my son and I are going to eat it and we're going to die. When God begins to speak to you and he begins to take you into this place, as he begins to stretch you, what you have to realize, what I have to realize, where we all stand, is that God is the one who's making the way for us, not ourselves. He's asking us for our our trust. He's asking us for our hearts. He's asking us to love him. And he's asking us for obedience to say, you know what? Beyond what I see, beyond what's going on in my life, I care about what you're telling me more. And I'm telling you, hard times, difficult times are preludes to miracles, and you don't know what you do today, what that might mean tomorrow in your life. Don't think that today will be disobedient and next week we'll get it right. Get it right today and be obedient and see what God doesn't do in your life tomorrow. This young lady said, okay, she went in, she made a cake, and she brought it out and she gave it to the man of God as he asked. And when she did that, a miracle took place. And it said in that passage of scripture that she did not go without, that her oil didn't dry up and her flour and she continued to eat even in the year of drought, even in the time where there wasn't anything out there, there was something in her house because she was obedient to what the man of God asked her to do. What is God speaking to and sharing with you? Not what you think, not if you can make it or not, not if you can do it or not, but what is God saying? Because that's what matters. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, that scripture actually says that if any man leans on me and not on flesh, he will be blessed. He'll be blessed in the hard times. He'll be like a a tree that is planted by the river of water, that when 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 the drought season comes, when the heat comes, when the hard times come, his leaf will still stay green. Why? Because he's trusting in the Lord. When you bring your tithe into the storehouse, you're trusting in God, because I don't know about you, but I can't live on 90%. But somehow God makes up the difference. Somehow God makes a way. As he asks to give over and above, he, just, he, he comes out of nowhere and he makes it up. Trust God and know that wherever you go, in obedience to him, there'll always be fruit on your tree. I'm going to have Shane come, Shane Harbolt come and share just a, a quick 
testimony of some things that God did. I don't know where you are in your life, but just be open to what God says. You may not be in this particular situation, but you may be in a situation where you're being tested and where you're saying, I don't know if I can give. I don't know if it's possible to give. You give what God has told you to give. Be obedient to the word of God and see if he isn't showing himself faithful on your behalf. I was going to have Shane share just a second here. For you that don't know, I'm Shane. Uh, My wife Heather's back there. We've been coming to Victory uh, 16 years, so been here quite a while. Uh, me and Heather got married at a very young age. She was 16, I was 18 when we got married. That in itself is a testimony. Um, <laughs> everybody told us when we got married it would never last, but 17 years later we're still going strong. Um, we've always paid our tithe, uh, even when we first got married. Um, didn't always go to church, kind of went our own way, but mom always did. And I'm going to have to look this way so I don't look at mom. Uh, but mom always went to church and as long as she was in church, I knew I had a place to go. So every once in a while we go to church with mom to pay our tithe because I knew it worked. I mean, I was raised in the church. I knew paying my tithe was, would work. It always did, always has. And so we'd pay our tithe. Um, finally we started coming here on a regular basis, started paying our tithe on a regular basis. Uh, 2006, uh, I had my own business on top of a full-time job and got into a little bit of financial problems, uh, made some choices. I made choices. God didn't make the choices. I made them. I didn't really listen to the Holy Spirit, and I went on my own way. Ended up over a million dollars in debt, and there was only one way out, and that was to file bankruptcy. Um, that was a hard pride issue for me to file bankruptcy. Um, to the face, my family, and the people of the church, that I'm, I'm losing everything. And it was tough. Went through quite a bit. In 2007, we finally filed, and it was an uphill battle from there. Um, the trustee and the attorney, we went to them and said, okay, we want to pay back a portion. Uh, it is our debt. We want to pay it. Thought it would be a lot easier than it really was. Um, we sat down and gave them a budget. They looked at our budget, and their eyes and our eyes didn't see match match so they cut our budget to make it what they wanted not necessarily what we needed and then on top of that they said okay we're going to take two hundred dollars every two weeks well i didn't have two hundred dollars in my budget to give them but they were taking it anyways so we went through about three years of that of them taking and then i was continuing making more i'm salary so i really don't get hours to make overtime uh, but i do get commissions every now and then you know, it'd be a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there, and it worked out great. Well, in our eyes, it worked out great. In their eyes, they wanted it. Um, so they pretty much took it. They came to us in April of 2011, 2010, and said, you made too much money last year, and we want an additional $300 every two weeks. Well, I'm living paycheck to paycheck as it is. I don't have an additional $300 to give them. We went back and forth for a couple months, and they didn't care. Pretty much, this is the way it's going to be, whether you like it or not. We met with Pastor Pam, and we asked her, what do we do here? She pretty much told us, you know, the Bible says, give Caesar what is Caesar's and let God do the rest. Okay, easier said than done, right? So we submitted to the authority. We went through honor's reward. And, you know, it talks about submitting to your civil authority. Well, in this particular case, my attorney and the trustee is my authority. So I've got to do what they've asked. 
we went through it. They said they wanted 300. We told them we didn't have it. They said, well, don't pay your tithe. Well, when we went through honors reward, that was the one part that it told you the only time you can disobey civil authorities when they contradict the word of God. And we knew the word of God said pay our tithe at all times. So we had to draw the line in the sand and pay our tithe. And we did. We paid it. And we said, okay, we're going to pay our tithe. And God, you're going to have to provide the other $300 every two weeks. Because I don't have it. Plus, and I can't get it. Plus another 3900 back. Plus $3,900 in back pay. back months. Because it was now in April and they go calendar year. So they're like, okay, we're backdating clear to the first of the year. So they wanted $3,900 on top of the 1000 the 1000 a month. 1000 every two weeks. Uh, 500 every oh, two yeah, weeks, 1000 a month. month. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have it. So I went to God, and we said, okay, God, look, you've got to provide the other 300 Well, in order to get 300 on my paycheck, that's about $450 before taxes. And we said, okay. Then we asked him, when's this going to take effect? He's like, this Friday. Great. Thanks for preparation. So we really just told God, hey, it's your problem. It's not ours. It's yours. You've got to do it. And he did. By that Friday, I had an additional $400 on my paycheck. I stand before you today for 18 months straight. God provided at least $450 every two weeks to make sure I had enough to yeah. pay. Towards yeah, the yeah. end of it, we got, with about 20 weeks to go in our bankruptcy, we got a letter in the mail saying they're throwing it out of court, um, which we, well, I freaked out. Because owing over a million dollars, and we're only paying about 12% back, and they're going to throw it out of court, which means we start all over from square one. And there is no refiling bankruptcy at that point. So we really got on our face, got with our attorney, and then once we got with our attorney, he's like, well, that's just a scare tactic to make sure you pay that $3,900 that you owe. We're like, okay, we'll pay it. Just don't throw it out. We made some arrangements. So with eight to nine weeks to go, or paydays to go, in the bankruptcy, um, I got a lot of commission sales. And for me, it was quite a bit because, I, like I said, I get a couple hundred dollars here and there. We added them all up. The way my commissions work is when I sell a piece of equipment, I get commissions. Well, I don't get paid until they pay the invoice. So some people pay in 17 days. Some people pay in 60 days. So I don't know when I'm getting that money. And I went to my boss, and I have a great boss. God's really blessed me in that area. And I told him, look, I got all these commissions. I'm going to ask you to pay some of them a little early. Some of them are going to be paid a little late, but can we kind of compromise? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. When we divided them out by the nine weeks that we had left, it came to $777. <laughs> and it wasn't $776 and some change or $777 and some change. But when you took all these different invoices, all these different numbers, add them together, it came to exactly $777, which... I guess I find God has a sense of humor, and he was just kind of looking down on me saying, see, I know where you're at. I know what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And he never has let us down from then. Uh, in August of 2011, our bankruptcy was over, so we are completely out of bankruptcy Ooh. now. Praise God. Yeah. We're on Good. a rebuilding stage. Uh, end of last month, uh, my department at work, we bill out between fifty dollars and $60,000 a month in parts and labor um last in that two-week pay period i personally built out one hundred seventy-one thousand dollars, which is a lot of money considering our department only does about fifty thousand and with that came about a six thousand dollar commission check for me mm. now i don't get it all at once <laughs> it, it will be in pieces as they pay i will get it 
But to me, to sit back and say God came through. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I started packaging systems, I made five dollars and like twenty five cents an hour. So to get a six thousand dollar commission check is just to see God yeah. show Himself real all the way through it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Give the Lord a hand. That's good stuff. That's good news. You know, and in the midst of it, and he, and he didn't share. I mean, this, this guy was really pushing them and pressuring them to say, you know what, I, I have to give you the tithe. You don't have to give it, but I have to allow you to bring that into the storehouse. But you don't, you don't get over and above. And so they said, well, we'll show you. They've got an orphan. And they started giving over and above because, you know, I mean, that's, they said, I have to, legally, I have to give you what, what the church says that, that you receive and that that's the tithe. And then he said, I have to give you that because, you know, religiously, that's, that's what you believe. He said, but I don't have to give you over and above that. And they said, fine, tax us on, basically. It's like tax us on whatever that is. I don't care. I, I'm still going to give over and above. And then when it came down to it, push came to shove. He said, well, then don't give your tithe. And how many know you've got to draw a line in the sand? And sometimes you have to say, I, 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 I am not... I'm not going backwards. And that's what, that's what they did and, and didn't go backwards. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say? Um, January 2nd, 2011, Pastor John was preaching. And he gave the word about manna from heaven. And he gave us the word. And Heather sent a calendar reminder to our phones that every morning it says at 820 to be exact it says expect god to bring the increase so every morning my phone goes off and i read it and i say thank you god for the increase and i've seen it come to pass Mm -hmm. and by doing it you know it don't get easier (laughs) i mean we talked about that when we went and we met um just two weeks ago i stopped and got some money daniel was helping us out because we were at camp so I had to pay Daniel to watch my dog. And I went ahead and got some extra out. I never withdraw money, but I went ahead and got extra money out. And I put it up, gave Daniel his. And I was sitting in service, and I felt to give it away. And this was second, first service. So I said, okay. I text my wife, hey. She's like, well, whatever. I don't really feel anything. I'm like, great. That's not what I was wanting. <laughs> so second service, I was over in the children's area, so it kind of went away. Third service, I was back over here. And it just wouldn't leave me. But I didn't do anything. I just kept, okay, it's just me. It's not you. It's just me. I ran into the person three times after service in the hallway before I finally said, okay, God. Okay, I get your point. Yeah. So I had to go back and give it to him. So don't get any easier. I mean, I still, God's still doing the work. I mean, we've got extra money, but it's not a lot. Um, we, I guess to step back a little bit. We had a 4,400-square-foot house when we filed bankruptcy, and we went to a 1,200-square-foot duplex. I have four boys. That's packing sardines into a house if you can get there. <laughs> but I would encourage you, don't step back. Yeah. You know, plant your seed and expect a harvest. Yeah. Don't just plant it and say, okay, God, here you go. No, plant it and say, God, I expect. Because yes. when you come expecting, God will provide every yes. single time. Amen, amen. Give him a hand this morning. God's good. Why don't we stand up together? I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to read this scripture, and it's out of Psalms. And you can just bow your heads and just, just, just begin to examine your heart. Where are you in your life? What thing do you face? What is making you stop? See, are your hard times defining you? Or are you defined by the Word of God and what it says about you? 
See, the devil will push hard times. There'll be stress. There'll be pressure. There'll be tribulation. There'll be trials. There'll be those things that you face that in your flesh you don't want to face. But I'm telling you, on the other side is God's goodness. But you've got to grow in faith. and You've got to be obedient to what God's telling you to do. Don't let hard times define you. That's the time to really pull your buckle belt in or pull your belt in a couple notches, put your boots on, and keep going. It says in Psalms 37, verses 18 and 19 in the Message Bible, it says, God keeps track of the decent folk. What they do won't soon be forgotten. And what Shane shared in that first service was that, you know, from that time it ended in August until today, God didn't stop giving them that over and above amount that they gave him to make it through. And not only that, but is this year a better year than they had last year? And not this last month got the biggest check that they've ever gotten. God does not, like it says, forget the decent folk. It says, in hard times, they'll hold their heads high. When the shelves are bare, they'll be, they'll, they'll be full. That in your life tonight or today, where are you? Are you allowing hard times to define you? Or are you pushing through and pushing past? Are you resetting your focus and resetting your mind? Are you obedient to do what God said regardless of what you see, regardless of what you face in the natural? Are you a giver at heart and saying, I'm not just going to be willing, but I'm going to be obedient to what God said? Maybe you need to change your mind. Maybe you need to change your confession. Maybe today you need to change your actions. Maybe today you face difficult situations and you don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know how you're going to get past. If that's you today and you say, I, I, I want to be that way, I want to live that way, but I'm facing some stuff in my life that I can't, I can't get past. I need God to help me. I need God to show up. I need him to open some doors for me. Just raise your hand. I'm struggling. I'm going through some stuff and I need God to do it. I need God to make a way for me. I see your hands. I'm telling you, he's going to start opening up doors for you in this place today. Begin to speak to your heart today. Begin to lead you and guide you. Begin to encourage you. Maybe you just say, God, I just need a refresh. I just need you to refresh my memory. Just refresh that, that word that you had for me that says, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. And I've been obedient. Maybe you're here today and say, man, that's me. I just need to be obedient. Father, I thank you for each hand that's raised in this place today. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.